We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode, Maddie does not think too highly of a couple all-pro linebackers. Let's talk about it. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Look, there's more options to do banking now more than ever. You or who you work with is more important than how close they are to your home. Emprise has digital banking that meets you where you are, on your phone, on your computer, even your smartwatch. They are a trusted partner at your fingertips. They've been at our fingertips Whenever we need them, they're absolutely fantastic. They helped us with the KCSN draft guide, and I cannot speak any more highly of the wonderful people at Emprise Bank. I can't speak any more highly of Maddie Lane. Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Nice shirt, Maddie. Thank you, Kent. Um, you know, I wasn't going to throw you under the bus for being late again, <laughs> making us late. <laughs> but, you know, here we are. This podcast started 55 minutes late. Because Hollywood over here had to get hair and makeup done before we got on this. And we're not even live. I mean, I guess he had that going for him. He, you know, it wasn't live this time. So, you know, we we made it okay. No. Progress. <laughs> um, I'm doing great. Thank you for the kind words. I have one question for our, our third fellow here, Craig Stout. How is your lizard spiral crawl right now, Craig? Oh, man, if I tried to do that, I'm pretty sure I would dislocate my hip and I'd just be laying there on the ground and unable to do anything. So George Karloff just definitely has that on as many things as on me. But 
definitely has that one on me. I like how Craig's like, he's got that one thing on me. No, no way. <laughs> he does one that. thing better than me. It's <laughs> no two, way. I was going to say two things and I was going to say eat rice in this, but I was like, well, I don't know. I've seen Craig eat rice for four straight. I was going to say, straight, we did a whole so... trip to movie where I ate rice for almost every single meal. So. <laughs> this is no joke. Craig was having rice for breakfast <laughs> and dessert. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah, the eggs. Hey, rice yeah. pudding, man. It's delicious. Um, <laughs> Yeah, go find the the George Karloftis clip if you can. Uh, he's looking, he is looking limber. Looks great. Looks, Looks great. great. I am excited to see that. Um, we have a question, a really fun question, coming up on Twenty One Questions, which you can find tomorrow. The subscriber only, uh, the well, the subscriber only questions that we answer on this channel. Uh, you'll be able to check that out uh, later this week. So uh, I think it's me and Maddie this week, but we are not answering your questions today. We are previewing, uh, continuing our uh, season preview series. So we do two games a week. Uh, we have a bunch of questions that we ask about each team and we run through them. So we are on to week three and week four. And this episode's a doozy. This is, I mean, this is a heavy hitter early mm -hmm. in the year. I think this kind of just speaks to the heavy hitting nature of this Chiefs uh, early season schedule. Week three, we'll start at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, noon game on Sunday, and uh, this is an interesting team. What's the quality of that roster, Matthew or Craig? I did it again, Craig. <laughs> okay, no, I'll take it. I'll gladly take it. I think it's pretty good. Um, they obviously went out of their way to add Matt Ryan. That's obviously going to change drastically what their offense can do over what they've been working with. Jonathan Tra Taylor's still a beast. I like the wide receiving core. I, I think that they've got some good pieces there. The offensive line is good. I think that the defense is better than the sum of its parts, but it's still got some interesting pieces on it. So, yeah, I look at this Colts roster and I think, you know what, this is probably in the upper maybe quarter of, if I had to say, of the quality of the roster of the teams that, that we've been talking about so far and will talk about this season. I think that they might be a team that, especially as the season goes along, like I just feel like we're going to be kind of in the same scenario where we were last year, where it's like, I don't know if I want to play the Colts in the playoffs. Like I, I feel like they're going to build towards something even bigger. So maybe it's a good thing the Chiefs are getting them this early with some new pieces, but I like the roster overall. Yeah, the Colts have kind of steadily built a roster of about around a certain type of player. And the farther, the longer this goes, the more guys that fit that mold they can collect. And I think the better or the deeper that roster looks. However, I, I run into the same issue every single year with the Colts. I think they have a lot of good players. I just don't know how many difference makers they have. I think they are just like in general over the past four seasons, they've been one of the most overrated talents of teams. I don't think mm. they've ever been quite as talented as a lot of people make them out to be like kind of to Craig's point. Like, you know, I, I hate to disagree with Craig, but like, Ugh. I am never afraid of this roster when it comes playoff time ever. Like this roster does nothing. And it has not since Ballard has taken over and, you know, they've gotten Frank Reich and everybody there like this. It's a good team. It's a very competent team. All the guys, very much all their players fit into a specific mold and they're guys you want on your team to round it out. But They've almost swayed too far into quote unquote football character and they've missed just guys I think that are that are playmakers, guys that really change 
the game and it come push come to shove when you don't have that at quarterback, when you don't have a receiver that's proven to do that and your offensive line now starting to lose a couple pieces of what it was two, three years ago where it was one of their more dominant forces. I don't know. It's a team that I think is good. It's a good, it's a lot of talent, but I don't know if it's enough to say coming off the Chargers and in between the Buccaneers who the Chiefs will play next. I think this is clearly the third, you know, or the least talented mm-hmm. of that bunch. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's fair to say, like, I don't know if the if the Colts have a trump card, you know, when it comes to their, you know, their top shelf. Like I think that's entirely fair. And I think you look at some of their linchpins okay they nailed the left guard position okay they nailed the linebacker position like okay cool fair they nailed the nickelback position which like that one's pretty valuable but if you're looking at positional value sure i can i think you can probably make an you know argument that some of their blue chips are the least valuable of the blue chips but man i think they've done a really good job developing through the draft yes you might you might kind of hope for some more high-end talent and I mean, the swing on DeForest Buckner, good player. Is he elite? He hasn't proven to be elite. I don't think at this juncture in his career. So I think there's some fair, I think there's some fair criticism of the quality of the roster, but man, I, I really like it. And I think, I still think it is probably to, to Craig's point. It's probably top. I, I still think it's probably top quarter, but maybe on the lower end because they don't have that Trump card. Uh, what do we think about the quality of the staff, Matthew? I like the coaching staff. Um, I think losing Matt Eberflus and then bringing in Gus Bradley, it's a pretty, actually, I, I think good trade. I think good trade for them. I think Gus Bradley's been around the block long enough now that he's not going to come out and just run cover three. Oh, no, I take that back. He very clearly <laughs> just did that I, against the I, Chiefs. <laughs> but I think I think NFL offenses figured out good ones, knew how to attack Matt Eberflus's defense. And that's why, that's one of the big reasons I was never afraid of them in the playoffs. Good offenses were going to put up numbers against that defense no matter what. Gus Bradley's defensive scheme, at the very least, can shut down some good offenses. Maybe not the Chiefs specifically, but some good offenses can be shut down a little bit more by that scheme. It's a little bit more feast or famine, whereas Matt Eberflus's defense just kind of, if you find something that works, you can hammer home. Now, they did start the transition away from just running that Tampa 2 cover 2 stuff and incorporating more cover 3 and quarter stuff under. Just, I think that was a good substitution for defensive coordinator. I like the rest of the coaching staff. I think it was a pretty decent add to replace Everflus. A lot of similar, not exact same, but similar stuff. My issue isn't with the coaching staff. It's with Chris Ballard. I I said that I think their their roster is one of the more overrated. Chris Ballard, most overrated GM in the NFL. He's done Do nothing. He year. just pinch, just pinches pennies and everybody applauds him. Dude doesn't spend money on anything and people freak out how he's doing so great. Oh, look at this roster. They don't overpay guys. They always have the most cap space, but look how talented they are. Maybe if you didn't always have the most cap space in the NFL, you'd win a game in the playoffs once in a while or something like He's too set in his ways that he cost this team a real chance to go win a Super Bowl, and they're still in that same point. And that's not had nothing to do with their players, has nothing to do with their coaching staff. It's all their GM, and we have no spot on this preview for the GM, so I'm putting it in here. Really quick, can I just jump in, Craig, and you can go back to I'll let you yeah. talk about the staff. I think the I think the I think the Colts have done everything they can to try to figure out the quarterback position, and it just doesn't work. Like I think that they've just kind of been behind the eight ball trying to solve the quarterback position. Like, I think that's consistently been their problem and they're aggressive in trying to solve that problem. And they just haven't been able to, which is why, I mean, and they're, but they're willing to move on and they're willing to kick, you know, they're willing to try other things. And that's the only thing. Like, I don't know if they've struck out trying to land a quarterback that they could feasibly get. I can't think of one off the top of the head in the Brett Ballard era. 
And I think he's always been good about at least getting the best option he possibly can in any given year. It's just, I mean, and oh, by the way, he got handed the Andrew Luck retirement situation too. That's my defense of, of uh, go Chris. spend that, some money. That's been my defense. <laughs> There's not been a free agent. What free agent are you wanting? What free agent quarterback are you wanting him to? Quarterback, go spend money. Yeah, but I think that's what it is. It, the, all the all the eggs are in the quarterback basket, and I get it. Frank Reich needs that quarterback. They thought that they had it, and obviously they didn't, and then made sure to throw Carson Wentz completely under the bus, then pick him back up, dust him off, and then throw him under another one on the way out the door. But I do, I do think the, the focus has just solely been on that because I think they look at the rest of the roster and they say, hey, we've got this, and their coaching staff as well. Since we're on coaching staff, they look at the coaching staff and they say, we've got the right coaches, we've got the right roster. As long as we can get competent quarterback play, this team can make the playoffs every single year. They can maybe do some damage. Gus Bradley has been has had a good defense as recently as like four or five years ago. And playing that same cover three scheme, yes, it is easy to figure out, but he may be able to have the guys to do it. He certainly has a type. They've gone out. They've tried to build around Gus Bradley's type. It's very defined. So I can see the coaching staff having some success. I can see Frank Wright coming out there and just being completely in love with Matt Ryan and everything that he's going to do with this offense. And I can see him opening his playbook a little bit more and you know, kind of getting into some more stuff there. So I do think that the coaching staff especially is – going to be the biggest beneficiary of not just Matt Ryan, but you know, this switch to this cover three scheme and being able to have those guys around that know how to use those types of talents. I think it's going to make this team better than we even think that they might be. The chiefs have more cap space than the Indianapolis Colts this year. And that's because they finally did. They finally did what you asked Maddie and they made some big expenditures. They went and added some players. Um, they took on some contracts. There's a lot of new additions to this roster. Craig, tell me about a new addition that you like. A uh, new addition that I like is Stefan Gilmore. I just got done talking about how, you know, they're going to have Gus Bradley using some of that cover three looks. Stefan Gilmore is perfectly capable of being trusted on the outside to do all of that. He can play, kind of play press and bail. He can do a lot of stuff. He's certainly not Jalen Ramsey. But he's also not too far removed from being like playing at a defensive player of the year level. So I think you can get the dying light of Stefan Gilmore to really upgrade your secondary and be good. And that's why they felt like they could move on from Rock Yasin in a trade for somebody that somebody else may bring up here. I'll, uh, I won't I won't go too far, but I do think that. You know, Stephon Gilmore is going to come right in, a smart player, a leader in that secondary, and be able to help transform it and guide it under Gus Bradley. So I think that that's just a hell of an addition with everything else that they have going on there. Yeah, I guess I'll take the I'll take the trade that came in. We'll go Yannick and Gakwe um, coming over. I think that's a good addition uh, for them to put across from Pay on the defensive line. I think this has been one of the issues that has really hurt the Colts is an inability to get pressure with their four man, you know, kind of pass rush. They had, they brought into Forrest Buckner, who I think is a really good player. I just don't know mm -hmm. if he is a playmaker, like to going back to that point. I think he's great. I think he's one of your, he's right there in the top five defensive tackle discussion. 
I just don't know if he's a guy that I think, you know, completely changes the script of a game or anything like that. So drafting Pay in the first round, going out and trading for Yannick Ngakwe, they're very clearly trying to adjust that pass rush, that four-man pass rush. Part of that's going to be the Gus Bradley influence versus Matt Eberflus. But I think another part of that they've seen, that is an issue they have. They can't get pressure. And if you're going to play softer zones behind it, you have to get pressure. So I like what he can bring to them. Terrible run defender, but what he can bring as a pass rusher is really going to help them where they've been the weakest in the past when they go up against good offenses. Fine, I'll take the low-hanging fruit on the new edition when we have to talk about it. Matt Ryan's the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts after a long stint with the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, I think Matt Ryan, I still think, can play good football. And I think he still had some high-level moments with a roster around him that wasn't particularly great in Atlanta. And he still solved some problems despite not being the best athlete at the position. Still really high-quality anticipation thrower. Has some absolutely great throws. Um, short to intermediate. I mean, you know, arm strength's not elite. The uh, mobility isn't elite, but you're you put a, a good offensive line around him. You put a good running game around him. You put some quality targets, some big body guys that can go up and get the football. Um, this is a you know this is a good situation for Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan raises the ceiling and the floor of this football team relative to Carson Wentz. Um, I think this team can compete, and I think Matt Ryan still has enough in the tank for this team to be dangerous and he's the new addition that i'm kind of paying attention to players to watch on the indianapolis colts and i'll stay on the offensive side of the football uh i talked about big body receivers uh the alec pierce i want uh, is the is a he's a new addition but he's also a player to watch and he's an interesting guy to watch when the chiefs were looking at drafting sky more in that in that 50s range they traded back a little bit the colts sat right in front of them i thought for sure that they were going to be taking kenny moore because i thought kenny moore was the best receiver on the on the board and they needed to continue to add the receiver position what they do instead they went and grabbed alec pierce and wound up going ahead of kenny uh, of uh sky Moore. alec pierce big body dude um i think you can line up the outside you can put him in the slot as kind of a bigger slot type guy um a super freak athlete guy can win at the catch point big catch radius um tough through contact it's a unique talent, and I think I, I think he's gonna get better. Like I think he's a guy that his growth trajectory, if he's not seen the his best football. I know you can say that about everybody, but I genuinely think like if you're looking at the trajectory of Alec Alec Pierce's career, I think you'll see some acceleration here as he develops at the next level. I think there's more in there with him outside and inside moving forward. Alec Pierce is my player to watch for the Indianapolis Colts. Kent's just sucking up to our buddy Nate Tice. He knows Nate loves Alec Pierce, so he's just out here sucking up to him. I see how it is. It's okay. a good move. It's a good move. Uh, my my player to watch is Quiddy Pay. Year two, Quiddy Pay could okay. transform this defense. We were fans of Quiddy Pay. You know, he's a very athletic guy. He's a very agile guy. But you know, he he only started to maybe put it together at times last year. It wasn't a consistent rookie year for where they took him. Uh, we've seen all of the highlights of him working out this offseason. He looks great. He looks like he's putting in a lot more work, maybe even adding a little bit of mass somehow for a guy that huge. But I think that he's the guy that if he goes well, like if he takes that step where all of a sudden, I know he was a four-sack guy last year, but let's say he's an eight to 10-sack guy this year with Yannick Ngakwe opposite of him, with Deo Odiingbo potentially coming into the fold as you know as health improves here. That's a group of guys that can really get after the passer along with DeForest Buckner. So 
him being and taking that next step, being the guy on the edge would help absolutely transform it. Like Maddie said, you get that soft coverage behind. If Quiddy Pay can get home, all of a sudden now this defense gets a little bit scary for the opposing offenses, no matter what you try and do. I'm going to stick with the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, we've Kent and I specifically kind of knocked them for not having a playmaker on defense. And the one guy that they kind of have that fits that bold is Darius Leonard, linebacker. I talked last podcast about how he's kind of penciled in every year as an all pro, as a Pro Bowl linebacker, and he's incredible. And he's got a knack for getting interceptions, forcing fumbles, all this stuff. You know what Darius Leonard also isn't? Like, he's not like a shutdown linebacker. And I know it's not a term that a lot of people use, but he's a pretty mistake-prone guy. He can be gotten in coverage. He's not great reading the keys versus the run. He's just a very good athlete that reacts really well, and he has just an incredible knack for making the biggest possible play, but he's switching to a new defensive scheme. You already have a guy that maybe isn't always playing playing mentally faster than everybody else. What happens with the scheme change? You're pushing him over into this cover three system that – not centered around, but heavily utilized Bobby Wagner's ability to be a dominant coverage player. And they had other coverage linebackers on that team to just control the middle of the field in this kind of zone coverage that Gus Bradley is going to bring. What's that going to look like when Darius Leonard is having to do this extra stuff now, these new things? So just I'm curious how his transition looks. I have no doubts that he's going to somehow come away with like four sacks this year, five forced fumbles, two or three <laughs> interceptions, make another Pro Bowl. His stats are going to look great. But if you watch every single week, there will be a couple of weeks in which teams can target him and have success. So it's just he's a guy to watch week in and week out, I think, especially here as you come up into a new scheme early in the year and just how that might gel for him. Maddie, how does this team beat the Chiefs? I think it's going to start with a lot of these new additions we talked about. I mean, like a lot of these guys that we just talked about here is, you know, you get Darius Leonard's clicking on all cylinders. He has a great game where he makes some big plays. Yannick Ngakwe's presence is felt as a pass rusher. Quiddy Pay takes that step up and he starts making that impact felt early in the year. They're dealing with a new defense. The Chiefs are dealing with some new offensive pieces. Maybe the Chiefs aren't gelling yet, kind of in week, you know, three. This is going to be so like they kind of just control the game from the get go. I don't know if the Colts are going to be a great ground and pound team, but if they can keep ahead, they can keep the you know they keep the ball, they hold it, they play a little bit of ball control, which usually doesn't work against the Chiefs. But when you have a running back like Jonathan Taylor, you have a defense, especially if they're up with this potential as pass rushers, I think they jump out to an early lead. You catch the Chiefs making a few mistakes, and then you just let your big guys run the football and your fast guys get it going off the edge, and you kind of have a recipe that could be trouble for the Chiefs this year. The Colts were second in the NFL in turnovers force last year, and they have guys that have a knack for making plays on the football. Um, you know, you talk about, I mean, Darius Leonard, is one of the best with his ball production, you know, fumbles is always something that he's able to generate a lot of really long arms, um, really good striking the ball out of the hands of running backs. I think turnovers is always, is going to be a big formula more so than any other team because this team has shown a propensity to turn the ball over a lot. And yes, the ball control becomes a big factor there when you can shorten possessions, when you can take away possessions, when you can control the game a little bit more, that would scare me a little bit. Um, but I think the biggest thing is you got to protect the football against the Colts play action. That's, that's what I think could get the chiefs here very early on in the season. The defense is still adjusting to stuff. You're in this offense. You're going to want to commit to try and stop Jonathan Taylor because he's a guy that even if you just leave the ball on the ground and you run it a whole bunch of times, he can still kill you. Like he, he's that good of a player. Now you've got a quarterback 
like Matt Ryan that can do some damage off a of play action. He can hit these guys down the field. He can he can put the ball on Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce. He can put it on a guy like Mo Ali Cox or you know Jelani Woods, our our guy Jelani Woods running up the seam. Like all of a sudden you're running play action off of Jonathan Taylor. You get this defense that wants to play downhill, even at the second level. You got guys like Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr. that are just going to try and aggressively fill gaps to try and stop Jonathan Taylor. Now, all of a sudden, there's some open space underneath. I can see chunk plays happening. Lots of first and second downs, like we saw maybe at the beginning of the year last year, where seven, eight-yard gains just over and over and over, and they just kind of keep the drive moving very efficiently. Clock doesn't stop. They're able to score on a lot of their early possessions. I can just see the Colts maybe playing a little bit more of that ground-and-pound play-action game, having some success against a Chiefs defense that hasn't fully gotten used to each other yet by this point in the year. And you know what? If that's the case, you know, the non non-chiefs MVP probably needs to come from the defensive front. And so uh, I'm going to go with Chris Jones. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have him, you know, trying to disrupt along the interior, maybe not have as much success against Quentin Nelson. Danny Pinter is slated right now to be the right guard uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. He extreme, I like Danny Pinter too. But, I mean, his arms extend to here. And so that could be problematic trying to line up against Chris Jones sitting over the top of a Danny Pinter. Uh, I think is a bad matchup for, for him. I'll go Chris Jones as my non-Chiefs MVP for this game. Uh, well, I'm going to go with the offensive side of the ball. Um, do you know who's really good against cover three? Uh, man, it's a guy that Matty likes to talk about a lot running down the middle of the field here. My non-Mahomes MVP this game is Travis Kelsey working the seam going down the field. That's right, Maddie. You got to come up with a different one. <laughs> Travis Kelsey has done Do <laughs> Travis Kelsey has done so much damage to cover three, specifically Gus Bradley's cover three <laughs> over the years. Yeah, Gus had him a little bit at times, you know, when he was with the Chargers, but they they've worked it out so well, Mahomes and Kelsey, and finding those soft spots, those option routes, those things like that, where Travis Kelsey can get open. If Gus is going to continue to sit and play in that cover three scheme, they don't have the guys in the middle of the field to match up with Travis Kelsey. They don't have the size or the athletic ability or the coverage ability. I mean, even even though I love Kenny Moore, Kenny Moore against Travis Kelsey is a mismatch of epic proportions. So. I am going with Travis Kelsey as my non-Mahomes MVP, and I am waiting with bated breath to see who Maddie Lane takes. Well, this is just completely unfair of you. Um, if I can't take Travis Kelsey, I will go back to the defensive side of the ball. We talked a little bit about how you know the Colts could play action. Some of that's going to stem from the run game. Talk about the Colts maybe getting the lead, being able to run the ball a little bit. We're looking for the guy that can stop the Colts from running the football, stop the Colts from playing that ball control offense a little bit. So that's none other than Travis Kelsey as he scores three touchdowns in the first half to keep the Chiefs ahead of the Colts so they can't just sit there with the lead and run the football. So yes, that's tight end Travis Kelsey for the non-Patrick Mahomes MVP because him putting up stats early stops the Colts from getting to do what they really need to do to beat the Chiefs. Hey, uh, trade coffee, just so you know, sends you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters, small businesses who pay farmers fair prices to sustainably source the greatest beans 
from around the world. It's expert tasted coffee. Like Trade's coffee team actually tastes tests thousands of coffee coffees to keep uh, 450 different kinds of live and ready to ship every single day. And right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order shipping. When you go to drinktrade.com slash KCSN, that's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. Find out the kind of coffees that you'll love uh, and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off. We are going to preview week four at Tampa Bay right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, continuing our season preview, going game by game. We do this every year, doing two games a week. We are in our second week of doing this. We just got done talking about week three with the Indianapolis Colts. Week four time at Tampa Bay. Another road game. This one is on Sunday night football, making sure Tom's still fresh getting the, that matchup early in the season. But what do you think the quality of the roster is, Craig? Eh. No, it's great. No, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's a terrific roster. I mean, like they, uh, there were some questions about who they were going to keep, who they were going to let go. Who, you know, they they had some decisions to make, and you know, realistically, a lot of these guys came back. And as the deal shook out, specifically, you know, like the Chris Godwin deal, the Carlton Davis deal, uh, like the the money came in lower than what you would expect those guys would be making. You know, so. No, it's awesome. Like it's a great roster. They've got a terrific offensive line still. The weapons are elite. They added Russell Gage, who is an awesome compliment as a third weapon here to go with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. The defensive line is ridiculously good. Akeem Hicks and Vita Vey playing right next to each other. And then you've got a good, a really, really good pair of linebackers, a good secondary. Like, there's not 
a whole lot of holes on this roster. There just really aren't. So they are definitely aiming for the Super Bowl again, as they should with a roster like this. And Tom Brady is the quarterback. And, yep, of course, Chiefs are going to play them week four. Arguably three of the most stacked rosters in the NFL that they get to play in three of the first four weeks. Yeah, this is a this is a roster. Um, they're really good, and you kind of look and see some of the players that they lost, right? Like it's like every year, especially good rosters are going to lose guys throughout the year. So they, you know, they lose Ali Marpet to retiring. Hmm. Guess what? They're gifted Shaq Mason in a trade from the Patriots for absolutely Gift. no reason. That's cool. They lose. Um, uh, oh, one safety went to the uh, New York Jets. I'm blanking on the name right now out of Pittsburgh. Uh, but they lose their third safety. They replace him with Logan Ryan, who's going to come over and play. Yes, Jordan Whitehead. They replace him with Logan Ryan, who's going to come over and play that exact same role for them as this third safety is going to play in the box. Like Every time they kind of lose a guy, they lose JPP. They draft Logan Hall to replace him at good value in the second round. Like Every time they lose somebody, they are replacing them with a quality player, usually one they probably shouldn't be able to get for that price or for that trade value or whatever it may be. So it was a good roster to start. They replaced all the pieces they lost. Like this, it's a Buccaneers team's really good. It's a very talented team, just like it has been the last two years, like last three years. Just one year was Jameis Winston, and like it's it's going to stay up there as long as these guys aren't going off. As long as Tom Brady stays there, and they're somehow convincing some of these guys to take the money they are or to come there because they're in Tampa because they have a chance to win a Super Bowl. This roster is going to remain one of the three best in the NFL. Yeah, able to keep some of their key guys. I mean, Chris Godwin's back um carlton davis back those you know getting some of those guys to return and then making sure you kind of you know secure the rest of the roster around them really good job uh by the buccaneers putting this thing together bruce arians is gone i'm interested to see what happens with bruce arians gone like how is that gonna work i I think todd Bowles will be fine i don't think they're gonna lose anything schematically during this kind of transition with arians going to the front office he's still gonna play some role but you are losing kind of that headmaster, the guy that controls everything, that looks over everything, that handles the personalities, the game situations. So schematically, I don't think they're losing anything. Byron Left, which is a great coordinator. Todd Bowles has a great defense. I think Larry Foote, Casey Rogers, they'll, you know, they'll be able to re- do enough of what he did there and keep that afloat. It's just a matter of game situation, game situations, handling, planning week in and week out for the whole grand scheme of things. How are they going to operate just top down with Bulls there instead of Arians? That's a slight question mark. It's not like Todd Bulls has proven that he's great in that role. Great coordinator. He hasn't been the best head coach in terms of overseeing everything. So we got to we get to see that now. That's like that's probably their biggest question mark going into the season is not schematically, but what does this coaching staff do specifically starting with Todd Bowles when they're having to deal with all these situations that you have to go through as a head coach? I mean, we I think we all trust Byron Leftwich to handle the offense. We do. I, I know that Bruce Arians was the guy that you mean was Tom Brady. To- it, yes, realistically, it's Tom Brady. But I mean, as far as the organization, the day-to-day stuff during the week, yeah, Byron Leftwich, I think, is going to be able to handle it. That will kind of free up Todd Bowles a little bit, but the head coaching duties are so much more than just, hey, I get to focus on the defensive coordinator side of things. And so he has named Casey Rogers and Larry Foote as co-defensive coordinators that's going to be an interesting thing to watch here because neither one of those guys has been put in those roles before. Obviously, you know, Larry Foote 
has plenty of experience playing, you know, linebacker at an NFL level. He knows what it's like to see some of that, but it is a different step when you are the defensive coordinator. And especially when you're a co-defensive coordinator with somebody, I can see some growing pains as both those guys have to figure out what we're preparing for week after week, the sorts of adjustments that they need to make from their day-to-day jobs as position coaches to come in and also be defensive coordinators as well. There's just a lot of guys that are kind of sharing a lot of duties on this coaching staff. And it's not to say that they can't do that. I can just see some instances, especially early in the season here, where they may not overlap as well as you would expect. Or maybe there's some slight holes in some of the things that they're doing from the week-to-week basis, and they are having to still make adjustments to how each other work, how all that's going to come together to finalize on game day, because we know Todd Bowles can do it when he's in the coordinator position. We know that Byron Leftwich can do it as well. But what does that look like now that more is being put on the plate of some of these guys with Bruce Arians gone and Todd Bowles up at head coach? I think Todd Bowles is better than his record reflected in New York too, though, to be fair. Like Mm -hmm. I actually like him a lot more. I just think the New York jets are an absolute dumpster fire and he's been dropped into a lot better situation. He got into 10 wins his first year. Things kind of fell off after that, mostly the offensive side of the ball. They struggled to find consistency there. And there's a lot of continuity with this, with this coaching staff. That's going to be really valuable for Todd Bowles as he kind of gets this second opportunity to be a head coach. I have more optimism for the second version of Todd Bowles, um, the head coach, and he's been put in an absolutely great situation, and I'm I'm excited for him. Uh, new addition to the Tampa Bay roster. What you got, Craig? Well, I'm going to go with a little deeper cut here because me and Jason like, need to have a conversation here. I know you read about CBAT. And I'm tired of you stealing all of the CBAT players. (laughs) Zion McCollum is my player here. Zion McCollum scores one of the highest CBAT scores in the history of me keeping track of that. For those who don't know, they also poach Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting off of the CBAT tier one guys. Zion McCollum, another tier one guy. They're just loading it up with these types of players. Now, I don't know if Zion McCollum is going to play year one. There is certainly a stacked roster in front of them right now. I mean, there's a lot of dudes that should be playing in front of him right now. But some of those guys are getting ready to come up on contracts. And so there may be injuries. There may be things like that. I bet Zion McCollum is going to get a better look than we think. And if it translates like the rest of these, you know, tier one guys have translated for Tampa Bay specifically, all of a sudden you may see guys like Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean on the trade block or, you know, available, you know, when their contract ends here. So I am just keeping a a small eye on Zion McCollum because this team keeps drafting these guys that I want the Chiefs to draft. And he's yet another in a line of cornerbacks, uber-athletic, talented quarterbacks that they've now added to their roster. I'm going to jump back to the other side of the ball, and we're going to do another player replacing the player they lost. So Rob Gronkowski has no longer on the team, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is retiring. They go out and they draft Kate Otten, a tight end. And the interesting thing about Kate Otten is he was arguably the best blocking tight end coming out of this draft. That's what he was known for. Decent, you know, underneath middle of the field receiver for a tight end with a big body, good hands, but he's known as a blocker coming out of Washington. 
He's stepping in to replace Rob Gronkowski. I'm sure Cameron Brait will get the most snaps, especially early in the year. I'm sure he will be considered the starter, but Cameron Brait's an okay blocker. He's fine. He's more of a receiver, though. He doesn't allow them to get into the same looks to do some of the same stuff that Gronkowski did. And I'm not saying that Kate Otten's going to step on the field and be Rob Gronkowski or even just the blocker that Rob Gronkowski was these last couple of years, but he's capable of doing those things. He's capable of double teaming a defensive end with a tackle and dominating them. He's capable of taking a defensive end one on one on the backside of a run or occasionally if it's a smaller guy winning that one-on-one matchup by himself as kind of the key part of a run so him coming in and being able to get up the speed as a blocker in the NFL will go a long way for them to continue the same type of offense they've run with Tom Brady there and that allows them not to put as much pressure on him to go out and win every single game by just airing the ball out and spreading the field like he would have with the Patriots you know six seven years ago. I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the football and add another sneaky great addition by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the receiver position in Russell Gage out of Atlanta. I think this is a this could be one of those bargain bid moves. You look back, go, of course, the Buccaneers. Of course, Tom Brady got that guy. I think Russell Gage can be a highly productive guy in that offense. Obviously, you know, Chris Godwin's going to spend some time in the slot, but Russell Gage really good operating in the in the middle of the field too. not the biggest guy, but also tough over the middle makes really athletic catches tough catches uh willing to willing to hang in there to make some of those kind of plays um a smooth operator uh really quality route runner there's a lot to like about him uh and within the confines of this offense with everything else around him that is a that is a sneaky addition there i like russell gage uh my player to watch is actually another uh new addition it's akeem hicks uh, the interior defensive lineman. He's going to be sitting next to Vita Vey along that defensive line, and that is a perfect situation for Akeem Hicks. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, like, I think the problem for him is, you know, his inconsistent. Like, it's just his health. Like, when he's healthy, he's a very disruptive pass rushing interior defensive lineman. There's just, I mean, even last year, nine games, he had three and a half sacks. Um, but you know, it's just kind of been, it's kind of been an up and down kind of last few years for him. But dropping him into a perfect situation. Like you talked about some of these guys and like the, the Buccaneers got their pick of guys. It feels like that would get dropped into the situation that fits perfectly for them. Akeem Hicks getting to line up, maybe getting to play in a limited role, maybe not having to play as many snaps next to Vita Vea is fantastic for him. My player to watch is them is uh, Akeem Hicks. Yeah, I was gonna go with Russell, Russell Gage for this, Kent. So you, you, of course, you stole him from me, and of course, they're gonna get to run all the crazy stuff that they do, you know, with Chris Godwin in the slot and all that, and not have to sacrifice size on the outside because they don't have Scotty Miller as their dedicated slot receiver. So, yeah, it, it's gonna be crazy what they're gonna be able to do with that. My guy to watch, man, I, I'm gonna say Joe Tryon. I think that Joe Tryon, you know, I know that I just talked about Quiddy Pay as a second year guy, Joe Tryon for all of the same reasons is that same guy. We know that they got Shaq Barrett off the side. We know that they're going to be able to push the pocket with Vitave in the middle, that Akeem Hicks is going to offer a little bit of juice, even though he's not always that guy, but he's going to offer something there. They've got Logan Hall that fits perfectly in their scheme. Of course it does. He does. So they've got a bunch of guys there. Joe Tryon is the thing that could take them from a really, you know, top shelf, defensive front to an elite one by being an exceptional pass rusher we know he's a good run defender we know that he's got the athletic ability to get after the quarterback him 
once again, just like Quiddy Pay earlier that I talked about, taking that next step, being that guy. Now, all of a sudden, there's nobody that you can single block on that defensive line and get away with it. There are too many good players, too many guys that can just eat your lunch. So him doing that makes it just impossible for offensive lines to not keep guys in on protection, even against a four-man rush. I'm surprised this guy made it this long in this. Um, I don't know how we haven't talked about him yet. I'm going with Craig Stout favorite Grant Stewart, the special teams ace, second-year linebacker out of Utah. He averaged almost a tackle per game playing essentially only as a special teamer. I'm kidding. Um, Grant Stewart was one of Craig's favorite watches last year when the last two years ago when he was doing the draft guide with us. He is a linebacker. Um, he's, he's fun to watch when he's out there, but he's mostly a role player. Realistically, I'm going with another new addition guy, Logan Hall, along the defensive line, uh, rookie out of Houston. I think in Todd Bowles' defense, is the perfect place for Logan Hall because he's going to play a little inside. He's going to play a little outside. They're going to move him around. They're going to do these weird sets where Vita Vea is standing up and Logan Hall is probably standing up like next to him or behind him hiding or doing all these weird things, just weird things. And I actually think Logan Hall is the kind of guy that's going to thrive doing that, getting to bounce around. So I don't know how consistent he will be as a rookie, but I could see him having some big games or big moments based purely around how they're going to use him and his just kind of physical skill set he's bringing to the table. Matt, how does this team beat the Chiefs? Um, the same way they did in the Super Bowl. <laughs> too early, too okay. soon. Um, they're a very good team. They go out there and they play Tampa Bay Buccaneers football. They pound the rock. They call some easy throws for Tom Brady. He reads the defense really, really well because that's what he does. He has a good Tom Brady game. The Chiefs can't get pressure on him in time because they don't have the passers to do so. They can't stop the run because their Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line is physically dominant and really good at run blocking. And they just get a lead. And then it's really hard to play catch up versus a team led by Todd Bowles that's bringing these kind of pressure packages that's going to throw these crazy coverage concepts at you all the time as the Chiefs are still trying to figure some new stuff out this year. So, like, I think just a perfect Tampa Bay Buccaneers game in week four of this year might be enough to beat the perfect Kansas City Chiefs game in week four of this year. Yeah, I mean, I think you about nailed it. It's true. This team is one of those teams. Like it feels like we've said this a few times: talent and you know experience and all in quarterback play. This is a team that has enough to beat the Chiefs and to go toe to toe with Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the world. And I, 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 I think that this team has enough. Enough. Like we talked about, I think it was the Chargers last week. We said, hey, this team has a lot of different ways that they can win this football game. There's a lot of different things and a lot of outcomes that could really affect the outcome of this game is the same. Um, I will save the lines. I'm going to ask you the lines for both of these games here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think this is a team that absolutely uh, can beat the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, they just show up and play their game, like Maddie said, like Kent said. Like, there's not a whole lot more to say about it. They're a really good team. They're going – they should be continuing for a Super Bowl this season. And the Chiefs have had enough turnover that it's going to take just a little bit of time to get adjusted to some of this. So there's just no good way that you can look at that and say, yeah, I know the Chiefs got this one in the bag. This is going to be a hard-fought game that could just be won simply by the Buccaneers playing just their game plan and nothing more. All right, so who is the Chiefs' non-Mahomes MVP? Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to go with the entirety of the interior offensive line. Those guys don't get a ton of love, but I think you know Vita Vea 
is so good at controlling the line of scrimmage and that whole unit is going to have to work well together um, to kind of mitigate that, you know, in the run game, he's impossible to run against. If the chiefs are going to try to move the ball at all, um, you know, you're look. I'm looking at you, Trey Smith. I mean, that's really the guy you're going to want to run behind in that kind of game because he's got the kind of physicality, um, you know, to, that can really, you know, affect, you know, affect the uh, affect the line of scrimmage. I don't know if Joe Tooney's going to be doing that against against Vita Vey very often, but give me the entirety of the interior offensive line working together as a unit. They want to run the ball at all and just, you know, protecting. I'm going to go with uh, LeJerry Sneed. And I think at this point, you know, he will be playing from the slot. So he's going to see a lot of Russell Gage. He'll see some Chris Godwin. But he's also going to be tasked with fitting the run from there because they're going to be so dominant that he's going to have to have a quick trigger to try and get in there and help stop the run because some of those guys are going to get moved off the ball a little bit on the defensive line, especially with as good as that offensive line is. So he's going to be a key factor both against the run and against the pass, if he can get now, I know this is a giant if here, but if he can fool Tom Brady, get himself into some throwing lanes, come up with a crucial turnover to stop some of these drives. I think we we have some faith that the Chiefs offense can do some things here and there. If the Chiefs defense can get some stops, get some turnovers, I think it'll be at the hands of Legereus Sneed because he's going to be flexed inside. I think he could be a massive impact player for this team. So Devin White did a lot of smack talk after they beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And guess what he didn't do is back it up the following year on the field. He's also not going to back it up now as he has to trot out there. He's living his high life. You know, he got an interception when the ball was being thrown to Travis Kelsey. We'll see how real that was because uh, Devin White, extremely overrated linebacker. He's a super athlete. He's utilized Speak well by that it. defense. Oh, he's... I called out Darius Leonard a little bit earlier. He's still a very good player. I just think he's more inconsistent than people like to put on his name. Devin White is actively not good. He just is in a defensive system that allows him to literally see ball, chase ball, and he's very fast. That's what he does. That's all he does. And he talks a lot for a guy that has to play that way. I think Travis Kelsey, I think Patrick Mahomes, I know we're not including him here, but I think the. I think these guys are going to remember the Super Bowl. I think they're going to remember Antoine Winfield Jr., get in Tyree Kill's face. I think they're going to remember a lot of the smack talk on the field, off the field, on social media, after calling the Chiefs soft essentially over and over again. I think this could be a game where you actually do get a Chiefs team that's usually pretty even keel hunting for revenge. If I'm going to trust two players to go get revenge in this situation, it'll be Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So Travis Kelsey is the answer again, but mostly because Devin White has had to keep a yap, yap, yapping all offseason two years ago. Dude, Rant's coming out for the game preview. You already know. I'm gonna I want to do some lines real quick. If I set the line at one and a half rants through four games, over under. Over. A hard over. over. They could they could play average ball and win all four, and you would have over that many rants. Well, here's the problem. You know you're getting at least one through four weeks, you know you're getting at least one rant on a pregame show, like That's, a preview. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the pregame show, period. Just just right. the oh, pregame show. Just the pregame show? Just Still the pregame over. show. <laughs> I, just, I think it might, because I'm probably going to say something about the Chargers, and I'm probably going to say something about this game. Let's look oh, at yeah. the other. And I'm going to coax you into saying something about the Cardinals, too, now. So, like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Over. Good luck. Good luck with that one. Uh, week three at Indianapolis. Guess the line, Maddie. Chiefs by two and a half. 
I was going to say Chiefs one and a half. Maddie is dead on. Mm. Chiefs by two and a half. Okay. Hold up DraftKings and that's, whatnot right now. That's one of the lines I was looking at. Um, then uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Sunday night football. Guess the line, Maddie. Tampa by one and a half. I'm going to say Tampa by two. Tampa by two and a half. Two and a half. Two I was going to say, I, I felt, I was, I almost wanted to change mine to three and a half because I feel like with home field advantage, I know it's not way full three points anymore like it yeah, used to be, but, but it matters. Yeah. Right. It's so like Tampa, I would say one and a half going into this year. One, one and a half is reasonable plus at home. So I, I was going to change to three and a half, I think. So, I mean, neutral field, you know, you're looking at the Chiefs being favored by the against the Bucks by half a point. I mean, it's like mm. a, it's it's you know pretty. Even. That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, that'll be the last time the Chiefs see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that season, though. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all Strike so much White. for listening. Rants might come out right now. We'll catch you later.